0: This episode is sponsored by Audible. Audible is the home for countless audiobooks, podcasts, guided wellness programs, theatrical performances, comedy, and Audible originals. Sign up today for a free 30-day trial and free audiobook of your choice. Visit audibletrial.com slash gold. Welcome to the Cinema Gold Podcast with your host, Larry Leese. come join us as Cinema Gold dives into the latest Hollywood films and news.
1: Welcome to an all new episode of the Cinema Gold podcast. Today we continue our series, Somehow I Manage, where we dive into and give our review of every season of The Office. This week we are in season three. Season three is definitely one of the best seasons of The Office, and possibly for television as a whole. As such, today's episode might be longer than most.
0: That's what she said!
1: I hope to get more people involved in the discussion of The Office. If you are a fan of The Office and want to be featured on a future episode, send us a voice message at 682 What's your favorite moment of Season 3? Feel free to comment, fight, argue, or just downright agree with my opinions. I think the first thing we have to talk about is the introduction of Ed Helms, Andy Bernard, and Rashida Jones, Karen Filippelli. While Karen was written as a whole, season-wide arc, Ed Helms was never intended to actually last the entire season. When Gay Witch Hunt aired, Helms was relatively unknown. He was a regular on The Daily Show for a bit and did some other side gigs before landing the role of Andy Bernard, The inclusion of Andy Bernard as the sole remaining member of the Stamford branch merger plotline was always odd to me. I think I've mentioned this before, but I never really saw him as a regular in the cast, even though he persists through each season from now until the end of the finale. We'll get into Jones's Filipelli more during the deeper meaning, but I just want to say now that I think she killed it. She went on from here to Parks and Rec, and did a ton of other stuff similar to Helms in both series and movies. Season 3 is when Justin Spitzer began to work on The Office. He was a writer, he was credited with both Back From Vacation and the product Recall episodes as a lead writer. He was also a story editor for several episodes, and then later became a producer, even a showrunner for the show Superstore. And then on that side of things, as The Office was increasing its popularity, the showrunners continued to get bigger and bigger guests, directors to come on set. In my opinion, this is more about the show's credibility and not so much about the creative differences because most of them talked about how they didn't get a ton of creative freedoms. But seeing Harold Ramis, Stephen Merchant, Joss Whedon, and J.J. Abrams in the credits is really interesting. This episode is powered by Poddex. Poddex are unique interview questions and episode starting prompts in the palm of your hand. So whether you are a new podcaster, existing broadcaster, looking to grow your audience, or get more engagement, you're going to want to check out poddex.com. Use code CINEMAGOLD for 10% off your first order. So let's dive into the deeper meaning. This season is a juggling act of genius that I'm not even sure The Office, let alone anyone else, could ever fully recreate. Each episode has a reason to exist, a reason for the film crew to even be there, whether it's the diversity day, witch hunt, or the paper convention, or the merging of the two branches, or Dwight's firing in return, and so on. There's no episode in this season that's wasted. What I think makes this season so special isn't the writer's ability to juggle the over-the-top bits with the mundane lives of these paper company employees doing so with these business and relational plot lines. Still, I'd start with the big one. The plot plotline that's been around since the very first episode of Season 1, and that's downsizing. Because downsizing is at a time in our economy when things are slowing down, and downsizing is a consistent thought on anyone in the business world's mind. This consistent story loomed across the central themes of 35 episodes in the series. Themes like fear, expectations, motives, performance reviews, and inadequacies of management are all getting their time to shine in this season. Branch closing the merger episodes wrap this arc in such a one-point manner, with Michael Scott looking his way into the position we do. Throughout the next several episodes, we get to see the Stanford branch dwindle down as it becomes obvious that Michael is too insecure, too dumb, and or too prideful to be a good leader. It's also in the season we get to see some sort of Stockholm Syndrome effect that's going on with this original group of employees here. Also in Season 3, we have several hot topics, social issues being spotlit like homosexuality, sexism, and
0: identity theft. You know what? Imitation is the most sincere form of flattery, so I thank you. Identity theft is not a joke, Jim. Millions of families suffer every year. Michael! Oh, that's funny. Michael
1: And on top of that, we see the series-spanning arc of Dwight's ambition to become regional manager, realized, and then taken away. His ambition led to some dark places, both metaphorically and literally. Dwight rounds up a season with his hopes again dashed, but loved. Dwight's professional life is shaken during the season. His love life is stronger than ever, for now. And it's in these relationship arcs that we get the real dramatic tension of the season. And that's, of course, the Jim-Pam-Karen love triangle. And what I love is that Karen is never played as the villain. She doesn't fall into any of the standard rom-com other girl tropes. She's smart, funny, competent, and a great partner for Jim overall. And that's what makes this arc actually have some tension for the first time viewing. We're never really truly sure what Jim's going to end up doing, and that's what's so great. It's so good. And then there's this cool play on season 2 and season 3 arcs throughout season 2. We follow Jim as he pines over an unavailable Pam as a camera pans over her. And the narrative tends to follow Jim around and capture his emotions. And while reaction shots are consistent throughout the series, in the third season we have a shift to the focus on Pam pining over an unavailable Jim. It gives both of these characters an opportunity to grow as individuals who are good with who they are, and I think that's what the deeper meaning is. Look, this world is crazy. It is now, and it always has been. Michael Scott, from the point of view of his staff, is a play on the ineptitude of leadership in general, and the Dunder Mifflin corporate has their ties on a little bit straighter than Michael. They're a play on the untrustworthiness of business, capitalism, and corporate America. I don't really know what to call it, but you know what I'm talking about. Both Jim and Pam have these huge hurdles to leap in Season 3. Pam has to pursue and fight for what she wants. I often point to the beach game's outburst as a moment where this is truly realized. But it does start in the gay witch hunt and is chipped away at throughout the entire season. But Jim also has some growing to do throughout the season. Jim ran from the uncomfortable situation that is working side by side with the girl who rejected her, him, I don't have much commentary on that, but the timeline is suspect here. While he's flirty with Karen during the early Stanford act, arc, they don't actually begin a date until Jim's certain he has to go back to Scranton. I know that painting him out to be using Karen as a rebound is not putting him in the best light, but it's what he's doing.
0: This episode is sponsored by Audible. Audible is the home for countless audiobooks, podcasts, guided wellness programs, theatrical performances, comedy, and and Audible Originals. Sign up today for a free 30-day trial and free audiobook of your choice. Visit audibletrial.com slash gold. So what kept him from jumping at Pam's
1: coffee date proposal in the merger episode? I don't know. But my guess is pride. Throughout this season, we get glimpses that Jim is the holdout here. And it ultimately comes down to this moment on the beach when Pam, just like Jim in the previous season, puts it all out there. It's clear throughout the episode the job that Jim is done running from all of this. But back to my main point. The world is unstable. Hey, you're unstable. And if we look at these structures for stability, we're bound to crumble. Relationships work in the same way we see the idea of codependence as a bad thing through Ryan and Kelly and Michael and Jan. So the deeper meaning here is that the world sucks, and a lot of relationships suck, But if you want something good, be confident in yourself, know what you want, and pursue it. All right, time to hand out some dundies. This is a time that I've been dreading for the last week. Choosing between anything as the best in this season is really difficult. But that's what I'm here to do. If you disagree, let us know on Twitter or send us a voice message. So let's start with maybe the hardest thing for me to decide. The best bits of Season 3. So at number five, we got Pretzel Day. It's consistently one of the top non-Michael Scott-related merch topics I've seen out there. There's something so relatable to Stanley's affection with Pretzel Day to think that's why it earned its spot here. At number four is Dwight's failed coup. This is definitely going to be one of my favorite scenes between Dwight and Michael. And number three... It's going to be the improvised gay witch hunt kiss. This scene was made all the more better knowing that it was improvised and everyone's reaction to it has a gleam of realism in it. And number two is the great Dwight, you ignorant slut. I don't really get this one, to be honest with you. I don't know if it's that this bit is so popular because it was repeated in the episode or because it's been repeated so much online. But it's become one of the most iconic quotes of the series, even though it's really an SNL quote, but I digress. And the best bit of Season 3 is the great Prison Mike. It doesn't matter what the product is. Slap Prison Mike on there, it's going to be a bestseller. This bit was so unexpected, so over the top, so Michael Scott, that it deserves its place on the top of this list. And I'm going to have to speak to these next two categories. So first up, most cringeworthy moments of season three. Number five is Ben Franklin hitting on Pam, followed by Michael's failed kiss attempt with Pam, and Michael's failed proposal with Carol, and then Michael Scott announcing at his wedding, and Scott's schooling. And now on to the best cold openings of Season 3. Number 5, which I actually thought was pretty good, was Letters from the Future. It's a great bit with Dwight and Jim. It was well executed and so much fun. Number 4 is Roy Attacks. It's not funny per se, but it's impactful. And it does make me laugh at the end every time. And number 3 is Pavlov's Dwight. I still recall the first time watching this cold opening and reveling in the pure joy of their shenanigans. And number two, demerits. Dwight is 100% Dwight in this one. Jim is 100% Jim. And I'm 100% in full. And number one is identity theft.
0: Identity theft is not a joke, Jim. Millions of families suffer every year. Michael! Oh, that's funny. Michael! Michael!
1: Identity theft may not be a surprise because it's often on the list of one of the most iconic cold openings throughout the entire series, but it's one you can always laugh at. This now leads us into the big one, the best episode of season three. And this is where I'm probably going to get myself into a little bit of trouble. Call it a cop out if you want. Instead of ranking these, I'm just going to lay out what I think are the best episodes categorically. First First up, the funniest episode of season three is Gay Witch Hunt. The laughs are, st- are endless, the kiss is incredible, and from start to finish, the episode is amazingly funny. The most inspirational episode would be Beach Games. There's something about the ceiling that Michael and the rest of the staff put on Pam, and seeing her breakthrough is just makes it one of the best episodes of the series for me. But the best episode of season three is the job. It's a great episode, expertly written, shot, acted, and edited. The tension and the payoff of the conclusion are amazing, and it juggles even more than a typical episode of The Office, with the extremely difficult job of wrapping up the season arcs and also setting up Season 4. And I might not laugh uncontrollably during this episode. It is one of the top episodes that come to mind every time I think about Season 3. Thank you for tuning in. Give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe and share with your friends. Give us your take on the office season three. Join us next week as we cover season four of The Office. Follow us on Twitter at CinemaGold2. Or like us on Facebook. Search Cinema Gold Movies. Thank you for listening and have a great day.
0: Bye. Thank you for listening to the Cinema Gold Podcast. If you want to become a supporter, you can buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash cinemagold. Follow us on Twitter at cinemagold2 and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash cinemagoldmovies.